Aloha, everyone, and welcome to Making Love Visible. I am your host, your hostess. I am your person, especially on behalf of our topic today. My name is June Dillinger, and I am absolutely delighted to have the most wonderful person on board with us today. This person's name is Mix Jazz Prime. Mix Jazz Prime, welcome to Making Love Visible. Hello. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. I, I, I would like to share with all of you that are viewing the program today, which is entitled Gender Non-Conforming Conversations. Let me repeat that again. Gender Non-Conforming Conversations. Uh, gosh, um, Jazz is a young budding expert on this topic. I met her in the last year and I use the word here, her because that's the pronoun that I have been used to using. And we're gonna have a conversation today on what non-gender conforming really means to diversity and to the world at large. And so Jazz, let's just rock this thing back and forth and eventually I will share why I am wearing what I am wearing. So please. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, where would you like to begin? I feel like starting with that you want to call me her is a great place to start because I get it. I wear eyeliner. I dress femininely. Sometimes I understand why your whole life has made you want to call me her. And I know that that doesn't upset me as much as I know I am not a her. You see me as one, just as you lived your life, I've lived my life. That it's a uh, since I have met you and your mother, who you are the offspring of, I am learning an entirely new language that is way more than pronoun based. So, can you tell me? in your life, how this came about for you, this non-gender identity? Yeah, wow, that's an amazing question. I honestly think I was first introduced to the idea of, okay, it started with, I learned in high school biology, a difference between gender and sex. Your sex is your biology, it is scientific fact, it is the way we classify human body anatomy. It's not even human. It is a subhuman categorization. Um, as gender is your opinion, it is a societal construct. So it is allowed to be whatever you want it to be. That is how I was taught about body autonomy, being a person at the school that I went to. So to already have the foundation that they are different, that they are allowed to not match, that they are the fact that that was even a possibility is what I'm sure started the realization within my own body. Um, but it wasn't until I started getting really into drag queen culture that I really understood to the levels you can take how you express yourself. These people are men, as I understood it, these people are men that become women through the magic of makeup and skill and talent. And so to me, to see, I recognize them as a man and as a woman, that it means 
you can do that whenever you want. So I think drag culture was the first thing that made me realize you are allowed to look how you want to, no matter how ridiculous that is. That, what an interesting um, dichotomy from biology to drag mm -hmm. and an understanding of self within that, within that culture. Right. Or both of them, one is very scientific and one is very human or uh, very, very human. And that dance between the two. And so where did you begin to take this study of self into your own life? I think that, so I only can understand this now, but I didn't understand it at the time that I was very purposefully pretending to be everything I thought a girl was. So I had all throughout high school, I had those Victoria's Secret bras that give you two cup sizes. They're like super padded. Wait, I, I have I, one of those. I, I have, have one of those. No, I love it. It, it, makes, Who doesn't? it makes certain dresses fits. It changed, but I slept in it. I didn't take it off. It became, I have the smallest boobs out of every single female in my family, both sides. Um, I love it now, but I hate it at the time because I equivalated it with being less of a woman because I didn't look like any woman I knew. So I pretended I wore the bra that was uncomfortable all the time, even at home, even in situations where it doesn't matter how I look overall. I didn't know that at the time. Um, and then like my mom started noticing that I was like sleeping in it. So she brought, bought me a bralette and it was like the first non padded, non wired, non forming. And I cuss word hated it. I put it in the bottom of my drawer. I didn't want to do it. And then I left. Nope, wrong timeline. I started working. I decided I wanted to move away from home. I grabbed a second and third job. And in working and sweating and needing to change so much, there was just a day where the bralette was the only thing I had. And I put it on and I realized how much I was doing something I enjoyed zero part of I was getting more objectified I was more uncomfortable I was more sweaty the skin on my back got bad because I was never taking like I was showering but if you put a dirty thing back on you're pretty counterproductive to the mission so once I started then I started buying my own bralettes and then oh I threw out my bras I think I own two real bras now and I think that that was the first situation where I realized I made myself do something I didn't enjoy purely to be perceived correctly and then I was like well what else am I doing <laughs> I, I love the the intermittent challenges that your mind has danced through yeah every day connect I, I've got that with you as, I, I've, as, I've, I've, as I'm learning you little by little, which I think would probably be, uh, I, I could be down the rabbit hole mixed prime jazz. I could be down the rabbit hole for you on many, many conversations. And sometimes I know in the past when we've communicated, I just have to go like, oh, my cup is full. 
Instead, let me just interview you and see what comes up. And so in this conversation, how has the, the non-gender uh, unlabeling of things, unlabeling of things, um, both, let's start with affected your life. How has it affected your life, the unlabeling? I would confidently say I do not feel unlabeled. Um, I think that that's a part of society. I don't think that that's something I will ever escape. Um, as there are many other labels about myself, I do enjoy. Um, just, it's not that I don't enjoy being labeled a gender. I just don't think it's real. In the same way, if I met a very devout Christian person and they looked at the way I tried to morally correctly live my life, if they felt my morality lined up with theirs and they felt I shared a lot of Christian values, I'm like, sure. Like I would never identify as a Christian person, but if you, a person who understands and believes in this faith, feels that I fit in your understanding of that label, I have no stance to say that I don't. As long as it's not hurtful to me, you're not trying to change my mind or force anything. I don't mind how I am labeled by others so long as it's not malicious. So I think that I deal with the process of unlabeling every day. Yes. Um, but that's, I recognize as part of the life I decide to live. It's a, it's a huge window of a, a, a unique or different way to choose to live. And that's why I wanted to bring this subject to light in making love visible because there are so many different people on the planet. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, I have felt great value in knowing you as I have, just practicing my, oh, is they home? Well, is jazz home? How do I use jazz's name? Mm -hmm. And creating a, an awareness around your beingness in my life and honoring you for who you are ch choosing to be on a much deeper consciousness level, if you will. Mm. Um, I am curious about how, how you, how you, when you get in, when you get into a, a situation with other people, how do, do you feel the need to educate them? Or do you feel the need to share with them? Or how do you open up a conversation? Or are people curious about who is this person? Um, it's definitely case by case. But I will know pretty quickly based on the questions you ask me where the conversation will go and your willingness to actually listen to my answers. Lots of people have lots of questions, but do not have the time to listen to me. And that's, those are the situations I end up in the most is why do you go by those pronouns? I explain and they go, well, do you know that that's wrong? And I'm like, why did you ask me what you asked me? What did you really want to know? What question do you really, do I upset you? That's okay. I would just like to know that. It doesn't need to, don't ask me to explain something purely opinion-based for you and then tell me I'm wrong. wrong. Listen, or, or don't 
don't want to know. It's okay if you don't want to know why I'm like this. Just don't make me think you do. Got it. And um, for the big picture, for the world, or for right here where we are, uh, what what can what can I do to create a a graceful opening of thought around non uh, gender nonconforming conversations? See that like I know what it would be for me, but not everyone is the same. I do not out myself right away. I get to know a person before I tell them I'm like gender nonconforming um, just because, I don't know, in the same way with like my sexual orientation, I don't make that a part of my introduction to someone. It is a very personal part of my life that I'm very willing to share with people actually a part of my life, not just in my life. So... I'm not a fan of everyone go around in a circle and say your pronouns. I'm not trying to, I don't know everyone in the room. I don't know that everyone will be okay with the way that I am in the same way if I were, if you're gay or lesbian or any part of that, you might have those similar concerns. I'm not, I have no need to explain any part of who I am to you so I think if everyone just took the time to remember and but this is just for me that people will tell you the things they want you to know otherwise it doesn't matter if I have a mustache today (laughs) I need you to know that that's for me and then if the next time you see me I have like a full face and a long wig and I'm wearing heels that's for me. <laughs> I love that. And that, that brings me to a point and actually why I'm wearing this colorful t-shirt. Uh, this is a tie-dye t-shirt, mm-hmm. a little bit of a hippie t-shirt. It's not a rainbow mm-hmm. t-shirt. It doesn't identify, it could identify hippie. Mm-hmm. It could identify, oh, I'm from the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. It could identify LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Could identify. You could see me in this shirt and label me in all kinds of ways. You could say her heart shape earrings means she's about love. Mm-hmm. You could say my short hair means either I'm a sexy hot woman looking similar to Jamie Lee Curtis, and yes. I, got my, I got my stuff together, and I'm a uh, I'm a supermodel podcaster. Or you could say. I'm a lesbian or a dyke or what other label, or you could say, oh, she's a hippie swinger, or she's a part of the polyamorous, or she's non-gender conforming. Right. So the reason why I chose what I did was because there are so many labels that people can put on us based on what we see, not what we Mm -hmm. hear. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this conversation about gender non-conforming is more about a deeper listening for an understanding of another person that's in our world or coming forward in our world. Would you say that I'm heading in the right direction, Jazz? Yeah, I think it's definitely about listening because 
for me, I will only tell people about myself when I feel I am being listened to. And I have learned throughout my whole life how to understand that very quickly. So it is the moment I feel heard that that is like, I, that's kept. I feel that that latches into a part of my brain to know. And it's not good or bad. I understand that there are lots of situations where I am not capable of listening to someone, but I'm in a situation where I should be, um, or I've made it seem like I am, or maybe that that's what I'm doing. Um, so when I catch myself in those situations, I try to let people know, hey, sorry, I'm disassociating a lot more than I thought I would right now. Um, I don't want to be disrespectful to you or this conversation, but I need to stop. I don't make it a question. I just try to, or I'm even in the place now. I thought a big part of being a good woman was being a social butterfly and liked by everybody. And I spent a lot of my life doing that that no matter how tired I was or no matter what I was doing, if I knew I could do something for someone else, I would. Very, I had a very subservient idea of what a woman was. Um, so there were, as I started to deconstruct the internalized misogyny is the term, even though that's such incredibly heavy language, um, in the same way that... Uh, I am racist just by being white and raised in a white American society. It's just a part of, and this is how I feel about my life. I know that not every white person feels this way. I know that not every gender nonconforming person feels this way. But from my own experience, as I started to deconstruct it, I realized more and more that the way I even viewed women is based in only negative concepts. So I was trying to be something I didn't even like but was made to not like, because I love women as now also a gay person. I understood later in life, they're awesome. <laughs> How could you see them of anything but a source of light, love, happiness, and wealth? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, th that's an interesting conversation. I have a, a very good friend uh, and he'll be on the show soon. His name is Joe Peach Graves. And uh, he has a lifestyle based in uh, polyamory mm. and uh, he's just recently been published in a book and his word is compersion, uh, which is a deep, which is about a deeper sense of love on a, a, a broader real depth filled base. And it makes me think about the depth of non-gender conforming conversation because the, the, the reason why I wanted to have this is because I, I wanted to be able to op offer an opportunity for people to look deeper into their own lives, mm. to their own conversations, to their own mindsets, to their own consciousness, mm -hmm. uh, and to those around them, because there is diversity everywhere. Yes. Uh, even, I'm so grateful you introduced me to the book, White Fragility, mm -hmm. which I have uh, batted back around all the different conversations that the author has to share. Mm -hmm. And uh, being uh, a person born uh, a, a entity or a soul or born into a white, a white body mm -hmm. um, from the universe, if you will, um, uh, it's an interesting challenge. And having been raised by um, a mom and dad, my father was a paraplegic and I was adopted at birth. And um, even though he was in the medical practice, having grown up in that, there are ways that I have found to release judgment for people 
Mm-hmm. And continually working on the, what did you call, what was that word before misogyny, internal misogyny? Internalized misogyny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so good because it's like, it's, it's, it's deadly. And, and at the same time, it's very exposing to where I am creating my own life. And so as a hetero woman in my mid fifties, I look at the dynamics of the assignments that age or maturity has created for me. Mm -hmm. And then this deeper conversation now that I'm learning about with you and how this opportunity to make love visible in another really rich, beautiful way is huge. So tell me, Jazz, about a a greater worldview of this conversation and what it looks like outside your world for people in general, if you will. Cool. Because I'm actually like, this is what I'm working on with my like work I'm doing for like child development. But I would like a greater overall worldview because the problems I think society faces with understanding gender nonconforming being a possibility is based in what many of our other problems are based in, which I feel in a larger picture, if every single person could take the time with very normal everyday thoughts you have had your entire life, stop and go, why do I think this? Why do I think they are a woman? What do I truly have to base that off of? Why do I think I am better than this person? Why do I think I am worse than this person? Why do I say mean things to myself, but nice things to others? Why any, anything that you think all the time, I don't like coffee. Well, why do you think that? Well, I had some a really long time ago and didn't like it. It's like, are you comfortable with the idea that you've made a decision with your, for yourself forever a long time ago? Some people that answer is yes. And that's awesome. And other people are like, you know, like I haven't really thought about it. Your physiological beingness changes every seven years on a subatomic oh, no, level. How about, how about every day, every moment, yeah, you're every time I no wake up, I'm like, God, who, who, who am I today? <laughs> yeah. So Please. your taste, literally the, the neurological connections your mind has made, we need to retain neuroplasticity, the ability to make new neurological, to unforge decade-made neurological connections and then make new ones all the time not forever new ones but giving yourself the possibility to switch them around I I love that and um you and I have talked in the past and I don't know if you'd be open to sharing this about what you want to create around the name Rogers perhaps is that no not yet only because I know the internet is too expansive and I know people have a much faster work ethic than me So I don't want anything to get swept from under me that I know I deserve. In that case, I'm glad I only (laughs) said one, maybe now invisible word. Erase that from your mind, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And so tell me, let's talk about um, 
the outside world and um, this conversation on a global level. What is it like truly on a global level? Where, where is it at? Is, is it in its infancy? Is it, is it like a toddler or uh, where, where do you see the uh, gender nonconforming conversation uh, on, a, on a scale of knowledge for the human race, if you will? I think we are, with where the, what is that called? Sexual liberation happened to society for men in the early 60s and then the sexual liberalization of women in the early 70s. Although they like to say that happened all at the same time, we know that that's not true. Um, I think we are in the very early stages of a gender, whatever word I just said. Revelation? I like the word neutral. Does neutral work? No. What do we? No? What did I just say about a sexual? What men went through a sexual, oh, and then awake, women went awareness. through a sexual. No, it's a word. I just said it. <laughs> um, I think we're going to go through a destigmatization, but I think it's going to take like 10 years, 20, 50. I think, unfortunately, gender attacks at a core of who you are as a person. And if you don't know that that's not allowed to change, you will never know that and you will never be open to you will see people as a threat in the same way people view gay people like that, even though it is, people still view gay people as a threat to the nuclear family, even though you're way more likely to have a successful nuclear family if you have LGBTQAI plus parents. That's been a statistic that's been correct for a decade. Most of my life, I've been aware of the closeness of gay families for lack of a better term but the war on family still seems to be raging very intensely so as much as I would like to say we're turning a corner I don't it will be a really long time because to talk people out of fear is almost impossible because you're convinced it keeps you alive. So we'd have to talk to, because people kill trans people in a lot of states until not that long ago, you can panic gay, kill someone with limited consequences. If you were to have sex with someone and then find out they were gay, it upset you in a lot of states until recently, I mean this millennium, you could do that and you would have, it, it, you were totally fine because people were like, yeah, I get it. That's scary. You should. It was just the mindset at the time. So until it's not viewed as a threat to who you are, I don't think it'll ever be accepted, which maybe it never will be, but that's balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what uh, Richie I, I, cool. <laughs> I just thought of an, a neat word that well, I, I happen to like the overflowing, you know, I like the, I like the overflowing goodness, not the cup is half empty or yes. dry. And so I feel like this is a blossoming, a blossoming yes. conversation of possibility yes. 
for uh, a, a a sense of oneness rather than two-ness, mm -hmm. a sense of non-separation, but um, uh, a possibility of what love could really have the opportunity to mean. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I've always enjoyed my conversations with you, Jazz. I feel that um, you've expanded my world in a really beautiful way. And um, while I definitely feel challenged with my pronouns, it, it brings me to uh, another point that I'd like to ask you about. So in my coaching practice, as a personal growth coach, I, in my training, uh, noticed an email come in from one of the coaches that I was taking a course from, and she used those pronouns. And she, her and hers mm -hmm. in her greeting at the bottom, right? Mm -hmm. In I also own a destination wedding business. I do Hawaiian weddings. Mm -hmm. And originally when I began my business, I had, I, well, I still own the domain name for gay marriage in paradise mm -hmm. because I have been very welcoming of love for everyone. Right. And I also had to look at it from a, uh, what are they going to say about me? And I finally went, I don't give a flip what people say about me. I care about love. Mm -hmm. So you can, if, if you're not of the same mindset about love as I am, then you'll choose somebody else. And that's okay, because I happen to know that there's a love, there is enough love and money for everyone, right? Yes. And so my wedding business came to a point where I, as I filled out, I had people fill out forms. I'm like, I don't know if Chris is a male or a female name. I don't know how to identify how to perform a ceremony Mm -hmm. or how one of my officiants or kahus should be sharing a ceremony. Uh, mm -hmm. And it came down to this really beautiful uh, one ceremony that I performed. I had somebody call and they said they'd been with their mate for 30 years and would it be all right if they wore a dress, a gown? And I said, sure, do you, you love your mate? And oh yes, this person said, and I said, okay, fantastic. And they said, and he was, he, I will say he, he's, he said, um, are you sure you're comfortable with that? And I said, are you, do you love your mate? And they said, yes. And I said, okay, great, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And when I met them uh, for their ceremony, he had on the most exquisite gown I'd ever seen. Beautiful. Looked like a mermaid with this twinkling, sparkling stuff, the most fantastic ring, just a really beautiful soul. And their mate was a smaller Asian man and uh, they were fully in love and they had a whole bunch of people there and the ceremony was beautiful. But my, my point to this is, is my, my come from is that it's all about love no matter what shows up and where is my own personal judgment and my clearly my desire to have a conversation with you to broaden that perspective of what love is. Mm -hmm. So I figured out how on my form basically to say, male, female, or prefer not to gender identify. I think that's yes. what it says at this point. And I'm wondering, and, and the same thing with coaching, I'm using that, I'm, I guess I'm asking you permission. I'm using that so I don't have to explain that I'm open to all conversations. Is that proper? To, to use the he, she, her on my, my, um, my email salutation to just let people know that I'm open to all conversations. Right. So my 
only, so this comes up a lot. I've only had the conversation framed around like social media bios on your profile, not like it's a little bit different for email signatures. So the thing that I say is putting your own pronouns in your bio is only good if you take the time to look at other people's bios. If you do not take the time to look for other people's pronouns, then you are not putting yours forward for the reasons you think you are. Oh, I love that. Because if you're just doing it because everyone else is, but you don't really know why, then you're not actually being helpful. And if anything, you're more damaging. If you have your pronouns and then you actively misgender someone because you don't take the time to read theirs, there's a bit of a disconnect. I, I would call that out of integrity. Right. Yes. But that's like, a, that's a heavy language for some people. People don't like to be pointed out that they're wrong and with negative language. Just in that I'm in situations where I need to tell people they're wrong because they believe in something I don't believe in. They're not wrong. I am a woman to you. I get that that's exactly what gender is. Um, but you are wrong in the sense that but I don't like putting people in that situation because I don't like how that feels so I know that that's partly me projecting my insecurities of being wrong but I know that it's also been much appreciated when I take the time to say I don't think you're wrong but I do have a preferred I I I appreciate that I think of that in um this is kind of a little twist in facilitation versus teaching. I would prefer to be a facilitator where there's opportunity for other people's thoughts and opinions to be expressed for everyone to learn from. And that's the way I teach uh, when I I am teaching through Unity um, as a licensed Unity teacher, that, that there's a facilitation of this process. I'm not here to teach you anything. I'm only here to open up some ideas of awareness and opportunity to deepen one's knowing of self or their expression of how they carry themselves in the world around them by making love visible. And what does your come from? I'm not here to point the finger saying you do it. It's, you know, so I'm not saying Mm -hmm. out of integrity in a hard way, but truthfully, what isn't integrity to you? And Mm -hmm. I'm more interested in, in jazz in a deeper conversation than uh, uh, top shelf. Like, I mean, I, I do, I do like the fluff conversations every now and well, right. Often than not, but Hey, you know, you got to get deep. I, I like to be deep. I like to be in the deep water uh, on the right. edge. Yeah. For my own, for my own personal development. So there you go. So mm-hmm. look, we've been beating this around for 43 minutes and ah, 37 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering have I missed anything that you feel is pertinent to share? Please, please, like bust it out for me if I, if I have or haven't. I, I need to know. The world needs to know what you got. I'm not sure. I feel like, yeah, there's always so much I always want to keep talking about. But <laughs> to this topic, like I feel like we talked about a lot of I just really want people to take the time to understand why they think everything they think, because a lot of it is based in not real things, meaning societal constructs. Um, 
like, you know, even like race and virginity. These are things that we have very much made to believe are real. Now, I, I understand that like nationality and ethnicity are very much real, but the way we racially understand what we mean by race in that if you have a black mom and a white dad, but you come out white racially, you are you societally, you cannot identify as black because you did not you cannot societally be perceived that way. It is how race, I feel the title has been developed because we're all the same race. Uh, hello, yes. <laughs> so I, I have often wondered why we say human, or what race are you? How about what, what's your ethnic diversity? So and we've made it a, your race societally how I understand it your race is how you are physically presenting your ethnicities mm -hmm. so although I am half brown through my parents ethnicities I racially identify as a white person because I have lived all of the benefits and have experienced that much from the melanin I've been given mm -hmm. of resistance so I think this idea of why, why do I think this? Uh, I, I think that the, that construct of the assignment to race is also very powerful and, and confining to diversity. Because mm -hmm. I, like I say, I've often thought, why don't you just say, what's your ethnic background? When I moved to Hawaii 38 years ago, people say, so June, uh, what's your ethnic background? What you get? Or, you know, a little bit of pigeon. I'm not the best, at, I'm terrible at pigeon anyway. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And they said, what are you? I'm like, well, what do you mean? So I had to check in with that. I'm like, I'm English, German, Spanish, and Native American. Does that uh, help? My, Does that change? Yeah, did that change who I am? Uh, and in Hawaii, because we have this relative melting pot, in some sort, in some situations, I feel lots of people have like, you're so holly, you're so white. How did you ever manage to fit in? And my answer has always been, I never noticed. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It was so my cool. favorite answer is like, I'm not white, but that's okay. <laughs> I get why you see that though. <laughs> oh gosh, Jazz, this has been an amazing time with you. And I'm going to hashtag your email address. Okay. And it's uh, I am Jazz Graham at Gmail. And I'll hashtag that in the post. And thank you for honoring uh, our time together and sharing so openly. I'm sure after this conversation is over, my maybe my relatively ignorant questions will be like, oh my God, I can't believe I asked that. What a ding dong. No, but not at all. Be <laughs> proud. Be proud that you asked anyway. Yeah. I, I'm I've always I'm curious about people and how people choose to hold where they come from. And um you've deepened my experience of of who I am and and how I can make love visible for the planet around us and all those that are choosing to listen in. And so uh, bless you for being here with me. And is there any last word you'd like to share? I want to take the time to express that I felt heard this whole time. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate being here. And for those of you that are watching today and uh, listening, if you're listening to the podcast, whether you're on 
iTunes or Spotify or public radio, or you're watching on YouTube or Instagram or Facebook, I don't know what you're on. I don't know what your form of communication is. I really appreciate you all being here for this conversation. Mix Jazz Prime, and that's MX, not MS, not Ms, not Mrs. It's MX, <laughs> just so you all know, uh, has spent this last uh, near 50 minutes with us. And really, I hope that this conversation has opened you up to some thoughts that will allow you to check in with your own thinking and your own mindset and ask yourself why. And are you withholding love for yourself or for somebody else nearby that could possibly deepen your experience of being a human and your beingness could really come alive? And so I invite you into that thought and thank you for making love visible wherever you are in the world. And bless you, Jazz, for being with us and bless you all. And I look forward to seeing you again. And I wish you all a great day, great night, wherever you are on the planet, and all kinds of aloha to you. Thanks for being with me, June Dillinger, your podcast host, your podcast host, Making Love Visible. Aloha.